But as you find your place in Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to begin reading in, in verse 15. Genesis chapter 50 and beginning in verse 15. I want to say to my church family, you better know what you know. You better believe what you believe. And you better be committed. You better be committed. Because it's going to be challenged. The day is coming. I really and truly, when I used to preach this, I never really thought it'd be in my lifetime, but I, I'm not so sure. But the day is coming when you have to decide if you're going to obey God or you're going to obey man. Now the day's coming when the church will have to decide who we're going to obey and whether or not we're committed and dedicated to what we believe and what the Word of God says. Somewhere down the road, I hope it's in the long, long ways down the road. Amen. Because I look out and I see these kids, and you know, I thought when they were singing that song, you know, that there's a lot of things about tomorrow I don't understand. A lot of things about tomorrow that escapes me, amen. But I'm glad I know who holds the future, amen. And I'm thankful for that. And when I look into the eyes of these little ones, amen, I'm thankful that that truth exists for them just like it's always existed for me. Amen. But I pray, I pray that we believers, I've said for many years, there'll come a day when the church, the one thing missing from today's church, from the early church, is persecution. Persecution. And if you read the New Testament and understand the New Testament, persecution brought their fellowship together, brought their fellowship closer. Amen. Because they knew that they had to stand together as believers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I believe the day will return when the church will have to do the same. Even under persecution. Amen. Men's hearts are not going to change and all of a sudden get better. Amen. Now that's the sad truth. Preacher, I came to be uplifted. I didn't come. I'm telling you, amen. I'm only preaching what the Word of God has said year after year after year and proclaimed to be the truth uh, time and time again. Amen. Jesus himself said uh, that in the latter days, it'll be like the days of Noah. What were the days of Noah? Every imagination of man's heart was wicked. Amen. We're living in such a day. May the Lord of heaven continue to be with us all and continue to strengthen us all. And I know we will. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Stand with me as we reverence God's word together in Genesis, the 50th chapter. Genesis, the 50th chapter. And beginning in verse 15. The Bible says, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, now listen to this reasoning, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil 
all the evil, all the evil which we did unto him. Amen. <laughs> you getting sense of that? They have the tape recorder playing. They're going back to all the evil that they had done to little brother. Amen. And they are remembering that which they've done. And now that dad is gone, they're, they're reasoning within themselves that Joseph, oh, Joseph, he's going to hate us and he's going to want revenge. The Bible says they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father, you might not listen to us, but maybe he'll listen to dad. Amen. Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. We're never in the place of God. Amen. We're never in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear you not. I will nourish you and your little ones and be com uh, comforted th them and spake kindly. He comforted them and spake kindly unto them. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. We're delighted that everyone is being in the house of the Lord today. We thank God for your faithfulness and for you to continue to come in support of the house of the Lord. We thank the Lord for those that might be joining by social media format and those that might be joining us by the FM transmitter. We're thankful to have each one of you as we share and worship together and as we look into the Word of God, I want to ask a question this morning. I want to ask if you, as an individual, have ever had evil to come upon you. Evil that was thought out. Evil that was schemed. Evil that was planned. Evil that people that we never dreamed of, people that we never thought of, would be capable of doing such things. Have you ever had evil to come upon your life from folks that you just never thought would ever 
go in such a direction or whatever turn in such a way. When the Word of God in this particular context and we think about the life of Joseph and we think about the evil that the Word of God is speaking about, this particular evil came from his own brothers. His own flesh and blood. And the evil in which they put upon his life and the evil in which the Word of God is talking about and referring to in this Scripture, it cost him something. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about they said something bad about you or said something bad about your family or said something bad about your mama. I'm talking about a type of evil that actually cost you something. It took something away from you. Are you with me, church? An evil that was so devised, an evil that was so schemed, an evil that was so planned, an evil that was so carried out, that it cost you something. You lost something that was dear to you that was valuable, had some value to you. And evil took it away. That's where we are when we think about the life of Joseph. We think about the experiences of this man's life. And I wanted to do my best effort as a preacher to make sure that we understand what this man has gone through, what this man has experienced, what this man and his life has encountered throughout the course and throughout the journey of his life. When you think about the life of Joseph, you, you think about a life that lived incredible highs and incredible lows. You ever feel like life is that way? You know, these incredible highs and these incredible lows. Amen. I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people go through such times. Amen. I talk to a lot of people and, and we can uh, certainly relate as we think about life sometimes. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the one step forward and two steps back syndrome. Amen. Every time preacher... Every time I see a light at the end of the tunnel, every time I begin to hope, every time I, be, I begin to believe that it's going to get better, every time I, I can begin to see the light of day, something comes along. Something comes along and sets me back. Ever... I don't even have to ask the question. All of us have gone through those periods of time and, and experienced those ups and downs to life when, when things just simply happen. And if you were preaching, amen, I, and I were preaching my story, Joseph would be amening. Amen. He could certainly relate to such a life. But when I think about him 
and I think about the ups and I think about the good in his life. There's a verse of New Testament scripture, and I've shared this before, but I want to remind us again. It's one of the most valuable verses and one of the most valuable promises that we hold to and that we hold dear in our lives as children of God. And it's found in Romans 8, verse 28. How many times have we quoted that verse to the devil? How many times have we quoted that verse to our circumstances? How many times have we quoted that verse to the evil that come upon our life? Joseph is an example of that New Testament verse, amen, in the Old Testament time. Because the Word of God says that we know, and we know that all things work together for good. To them, here, here are the specifics. Here is those to whom the promise is designed. Amen. In other words, it ain't for everybody. Amen. It ain't for everybody. The Word of God says that we know that all things work together for good to them that what? does not say to them that believe in God. You go across this land from person to person and you begin to survey people and you ask one question and that one question would be, do you believe in God? You would hear far more yeses then you would hear no's. Are you with me? If you don't believe me, try it. You're free to try it. Just go home after church, eat your lunch, and start out in your neighborhood knocking on door to door, asking folks if they believe in God. Amen? Most people, even today, still have some form of acknowledgement of God. But the promise, the promise in Romans 8, 28 is to them that love God. To them that love God. Amen. And goes on to say to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now you determine whether you're in that number or not. But amen, listen, when you think about the life of Joseph and you think about all that the man went through and the man went through his share of evil, the man went through his share of bad times. Evil that was devised to hurt him, ruin him, destroy him. And even in the midst of those times, Joseph had the ability of saying, it's all good. It's all right. I'm just waiting on the good to happen. Amen. I'm just waiting on the good to happen because I know the faithfulness of my God. I know the greatness of my God. I know who my God is. And I'm just going to wait out the evil because I know that good is on the way. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remind you that those brothers threw Joseph into a dried up well and left him there as I preached before, but they just left him there. Left him there. This deep, Alan, this deep, uh, dried up well. And just left him there. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I, I guess maybe it's the preacher in me. I, maybe how I was raised. I don't know. But sometimes, I, Eric, I just like to give folk the benefit of the doubt. Amen. I suspect that for a while, Penny, I would have been in that hole thinking, ah, oh, they're going to change their mind. They ain't going to leave me here. They're going to come back and get little brother. Sooner or later, I'll see their shadows start to come over the opening of that hole. And sooner or later, they'll be looking over and they come back. They can't leave me here. And as the time on the clock continued to tick with no appearance of her brothers having a change of heart, there he was. There he was. No rope, no ladder, no source, no way out of that hole. But I'll just sit here and wait for the good. <laughs> I got one witness. I'll just sit here and wait for good to show up. I don't know how. I don't know where it's coming from. But I know that my God is going to provide some form of good. Alan, it's incredible. Out of this situation. Are you with me, church? That's what he was. And my dear friends, may the Lord bless us to a level of faith that we would do likewise, that no matter what it looks like, that no matter how dark the circumstance, no matter how great the storm, that we just smile at it as Joseph did and say, it's all good. Good is on its way. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Time and time again. He has provided. And then Joseph had the incredible ability. I've got to hurry on, but I want to remind you that he had the incredible ability of realizing that every moment was just a temporary moment. I wish that more folks, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I wish more, more folks had this gift and had this ability of realizing that their moment was only a temporary moment. Sometimes we, 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 the mind will play tricks on us and sometimes, you know, we magnify things. We're just good at being able to magnify things as being worse than they really are and sometimes they're just that bad anyway. But, but still... Sometimes we just, we just feel like it's just never going to change, that this is my end, that this is the way it's going to be, and this has settled in on me, and this is my way of life until the end of life, and we just accept things as they are without realizing that every moment is just a temporary moment. 
There's times when you just have to square up, look the devil in the eye and say, that's okay, devil, it's just a temporary moment. Good is on the way, hallelujah. Good is going to come. My God is on the way, and this is just a temporary moment. That's what Joseph had to do. I want to, in the remaining time in which we have, I, I want to focus in on a certain time of his life that, that was a turning point. You know, God always has this ability of providing for us those turning points, those life-changing moments that only heaven can bring about. I can look back into the history of my life and I can point to, to several turning points in my life when, when God did things in my life that only God could do that, that changed my life, that changed my outlook, that changed who I am. That's the kind of moment that I'm talking about. And as we look in, in the Word of God to the 41st chapter, chapter 41 for just a moment of Genesis, I want you to see such a moment for the life of Joseph. I want to I preach for just a moment on the incredible work of God and how good God is and the goodness that God provides even when we're not expecting it, even when we may not even be looking for it, and from sources that we never thought possible. We're going to look for a moment in chapter 41. And we're going to look at a dream. A dream that Pharaoh himself had. A dream in which Pharaoh, it disturbed him. A dream that he just simply could not shake. You ever had a dream you just couldn't shake? A dream that you woke up and you thought, whoa, I'm glad that's just a dream, but you just couldn't shake it. It's a dream that stayed with you for days, perhaps weeks, and maybe even staying with you longer than that, but a dream that you had nonetheless that just, just rocked your world. Pharaoh had such a dream that he just simply could not shake. You have to keep in mind that during that time, God often used dreams to speak to people, to, to reveal a message to people. Times were different then. Didn't have Sunday morning preaching, amen. Didn't have preachers and on the radio every single day and on televisions and so forth. And much of the Word of God still to be written and recorded and they didn't have those things. And so oftentimes God would use dreams to, to reveal or, or convey messages and, and to bring revelations to people that was necessary. This was such a dream. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 41 and beginning in verse 1 reveals to us the dream in which he had. And it says it came to pass at the end of two full years. That's important. At the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. Two full years that Joseph has remained stuck in prison because he had been lied about and was serving out a, a prison sentence term. Two full years that had passed 
And God put this dream upon Pharaoh's heart. And the Bible says, Behold, he stood by the river. And in verse 2 it says, And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. Okay. Look this way. So far, so good, right? He's had this dream, and he dreams this dream about these cows, these fat-fleshed cows that are by the river, that are eating in the meadow. Everything is good. And then the Bible tells us in verse 3, it says, And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And then here's where things get crazy. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind, and Pharaoh awoke, or so Pharaoh awoke. Are you with the dream? He dreams about Bruce, these seven cows that are prize cows. The kind you brag about. Mike, the good cows, amen. I mean, the cows you put up in the front of the pasture, amen. The cows you want to show off to the neighbor. The cows that you can't wait for the state, the state farm, the state show to come about. You're taking these cows to show off. Good looking cows. And then you got these seven sickly cows, skinny cows, diseased looking cows. Cows you put in the back of the pasture. Hope nobody sees them. I'm no cow farmer, but I don't know. It might be cows you just get rid of. But in the dream, these seven skinny, lean flesh cows rise up against the, the good, fat flesh cows and devour them and eat them. I'm no cow expert. But I thought cows were vegetarians. In fact, when I, when I studied this and I thought about this, I thought, well, do cows even fight? I asked Ryan a little while ago, I said, Ryan, does cows fight? And he said, sometimes. Really? I've not spent a lot of time around cows, but I've spent a lot of time driving by them. I've never stopped the car and said, look, kids, a cow fight. Let's let them pull over and see who wins. <laughs> this dream of these underdog cows, if you will, rise up and devour those prize cows in Pharaoh's dream. Now I got to move on. Keep in mind, keep in mind, this was not a dream that Pharaoh could just forget. This was a dream with a purpose. This was a dream that Pharaoh had the 
had the understanding, had the intelligence and smarts to know that this would mean something not only to himself, but to all of Egypt. Are you with me? He knew that there was a purpose to this dream, and that purpose had to be understood. Now, he didn't have the intelligence or the gift or the insights to understand the dream on his own. So what the Bible tells us is that he calls in the wise men of his day. He calls in the brightest, most intelligent minds that Egypt could produce. And he brings them in and explains to them his dream, hoping that they could interpret the dream he had. It'd be like our White House. Brightest minds we have. Trying to solve a mystery that had to be solved. And when Pharaoh explained to them his dream, they just kind of yeah. we don't know. We, we, we are clueless as to what this dream could possibly mean. And they failed to be able to interpret this most crucial, important dream. But then comes the good. Then comes the good, church. Are you ready for this? In Genesis chapter 41 and verse 12, there's one that comes to Pharaoh and says, though we are not able to interpret your dream." When I was serving time in prison, there was one that was in prison with me. Are oh, you with me, church? While I was serving time in my own prison, there was one in the prison that was with me and that we had our dreams and that we would go to this young Hebrew and this young Hebrew could always accurately and correctly interpret our dreams. Well, you can just imagine the hardened mind of Pharaoh. Where is this man? Bring this man unto me. And of course we know that the man was Joseph. Now in closing, in closing, God put together, God orchestrated an opportunity and a time for Joseph to come out of the prison and to shine the gifts that God had given unto him. But I want you to think with me. 
I want you to think with me. His brothers had already sold him out. His brothers had already forsaken him. He was in a land that was not his own. He'd been separated from his daddy. He'd been lied about by Potiphar's wife and spent time in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. You know, it'd been easy for Joseph to have been in that prison like most of us, sulking. Woe is me! Life's been unfair. Life has treated me wrong. People have devised and schemed evil up against me. And he could have been locked up in that prison bitter toward everybody, toward everything, and toward God. Amen? You ever seen somebody that's so bitter, so bitter that they refuse to help anybody? Oh, am I getting, to, am I getting, am I getting there? So bitter in their spirit that, just leave me alone. Don't talk to me about anything good. Don't try to encourage me about anything getting any better. Don't preach to me about hope of a better day. Oh, listen, so bitter, so eat up with bitterness inside because of what life had done. Many people miss opportunities and doors that God Himself opened because they're sulking in their own misery, in their own bitterness, and refusing to come out. I say to you in closing, you'll stay there to the end of your day until they close your casket and the preacher says final words over you. So long as that's where you decide you're going to stay. Amen. But your God, your God wants better for you. Amen. Wants better for you. It might look bad now. It might not look good now. But good is on the way. Get a Lord a hand. Hallelujah. As they come get invitational song ready. As we prepare for invitation and you stand with me all over the house of the Lord today. Everyone standing. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I dare say that several of us standing in this congregation today I dare say that many of us standing in this Lord's house right now today, if we were being honest and testified and preached our story, it wouldn't be a good story right now.
Like I said in the beginning, Joseph would be related and Joseph would be amen. It don't look good right now. But help is on the way. Good is on the way. I'm going to keep believing in a God that can bring good out of this. Remember, Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil. But God used it for good to save much people alive. Think about that. Think about that. In the moment Joseph was in the hole of that dried up well, I'm going to talk to him. I can't wait to talk to him in heaven. How long, Joseph, did you hold on believing those brothers would come back and get you? How many hours passed that you believed that those brothers would have a change of heart, come back and get you before you gave up? Remember, even in that very moment, when those brothers meant it for evil, even in that very moment, God had a plan to save much people alive. Your moment may look bad right now, but God has a plan to save much people alive if you'll keep believing. If you'll keep waiting on God's good to show up. Ah, oh, praise God. Maybe so, I'm going to get out of the way. Maybe you'd like to just come and say, preacher, pray. I just want to pray. It don't look good right now, preacher, but good has to come. God's going to provide good out of this. Some good got to come. God's going to bring good. I'm going to be willing to faithfully wait. For God's good to come. Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I need to get saved. I need to get right with God. Whatever the need might be, altars open as they sing.